This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Thanks to Brian Redmond and Marty Morrissey for the last two hours of good humour, great music, getting your Saturday off to a good start. This morning on The Bottom Line, we visit High Bank Orchard and Organic Farm in Cuffsgrange to hear all about how the humble apple is at the core of the business they run. Eva Milka from Gaelic Escargo will be talking to us about her fast-moving business farming free-range snails. Both those items part of the Taste Local campaign, which is KCLR's campaign with Kilkenny and Carlow local authorities. We'll also be hearing about the work of TSSG in relation to business using technology to adapt to COVID-19. And Jerry Dunn will be talking to us about how Carlow Tutorial College is moving with the changing times. But first, joining me on the line to discuss the last week in business is Colin Ahern, President of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. Good morning, Colin. How are you this morning? Well, Colin isn't great because I think I've just lost Colin off the line there, but uh, we'll move on. As I mentioned at the start of the programme, the county councils in Kilkenny and Carlow through their local enterprise offices have come together for a Taste Local campaign with KCLR. Over the next few weeks across KCLR, we'll be meeting with all sorts of local food producers and people involved in all parts of the food industry, which literally contributes hundreds of millions of euros to the local economy and supports thousands of jobs. Last week, on an absolutely gloriously sunny morning, I travelled to the foot of Mount Leinster, where I met with Eva Milka to find out more about her business, Gaelic Escargo. Uh, hi everyone, my name is Eva from Gaelic Escargo. Uh, we specialise in uh, farming and distributing free-range Irish snails. And we are based in a beautiful village of Gary Hill in County Carlow. And how did you come to set up a business farming snails in County Carlow? Something tells me that's not a Carlow accent. No, I'm pure Polish girl, even though it's not true, John, but uh, I, I love calling myself a pure Polish girl. Um, we started farming snails back in 2011, 2012 in our apartment in Kilkenny. Uh, and I remember at the time people laughed at us, uh, people still laugh at us, but uh, but uh, we discovered a massive opportunity uh, to farm snails in Ireland and we said to ourselves, why don't we try? So we did. John, we have everything we need to farm snails in Ireland. Uh, we have ideal climate, uh, we have access to land, we have a good soil, uh, we have a clean water and we are farming country with an, an excellent reputation for food. So. Uh, if uh, anybody else can do it, we can do it as well. And how big is the market for escargot, for snails, internationally? Well, the, the worldwide, um, the, you're talking about 300,000 tonnes of uh, consumption. And the three biggest markets in Europe are French, Italian and Spanish. Okay, and, and just to put a, a proportion, people find it uh, easier to visualise, say, tonnes of wheat or tonnes of potatoes and so on. How much production do you need to uh, create a tonne of escargot? 
Uh, well, the the to for a ton of snails you will need around uh, 400 square meters. If you look at the larger scale, uh, John, like an acre of the land on the conventional farming, for example, produces just one cow, where the same acre of the land on the snail farming can produce up to 10 tons. Uh, just to give you an, uh, an idea. Um, you started, as you said, in your apartment. You're here now in uh, Moishal in County Carlow. Um, tell us about the growth of the business since you first started off about seven or eight years ago. Yeah, so this season is our eighth season. Uh, we started back in 2013. And John, uh, we were actually foolish by thinking that we can just copy and paste already existing farming method initially. Um, because I'm Polish and snail farming in Poland is successfully up and running. We went to Poland, we trained in Poland and we thought that we'll be able to bring this knowledge back to Ireland. Unfortunately, it didn't work this way. Uh, our first year for us was an absolute disaster. We, what happened back in 2013, we actually underestimated the uh, power of uh, weather conditions. So in the end, we failed on three different uh, breeding techniques before we developed our own to, to suit the Irish climate. So it was a very rocky journey. You, you mentioned about the season. Tell us about the production uh, cycle there's the harvest there's the breeding and so on just give us a quick run through that so we operate uh, on 10 month cycle uh, we farm our snails using a free-range method, which means that we follow their cycle as much as we can. We start with breeding, uh, indoor breeding in January, and we finish with harvest in September. Um, you mentioned about getting your production process right, and it was a bit of trial and error at the start. You've presumably cracked that now. What about the market and growing the market and demand for your product? I would imagine it's largely international. It is so. Our our main market is hello. Our main market is uh, is uh, um, well. Our business is an export business. No doubt about that, John. Uh, in Ireland, uh, demand for escargot meat is very little. Uh, even though I strongly believe that uh, Irish market is a very interesting market to be investigated more. It's ideal uh, market to build our brand, but uh, but we are not ready to eat uh, escargot meat as such yet. Irish uh, people have been renowned for having conservative palates over the years. You know, we were talking earlier about how, how the Irish diet has expanded. You were saying that there is a challenge in getting people to sample escargot, but when people sample it, how do they react generally? They absolutely love it, John. Because we, well, this year is different because of the uh, COVID, but every year we go to different food festivals and food events and we cook um, our escargot to public. And our biggest challenge, John, is always to encourage uh, uh, people to taste our product for the first time. Once they taste the escargot meat, they absolutely love it. Yeah, and, and um, it seems, from what you describe, pretty healthy as well. It's produced sustainably, but equally it's high in protein, I understand. Absolutely, John. Uh, escargot meat is a very high in protein, very low in fat. It contains nearly all amino acids needed for the human body, so it's a very healthy food. Uh, and I understand that we still treat uh, snails as a pest in Ireland, but it is delicacy in many European countries. Yeah, just for listeners to the radio, our accompanist to this uh, interview is... Uh, tell us who, who we've got joining in here. Uh, I have a bonnie here, which is my uh, baby girl, baby girl i never had myself uh, she's nearly two now 
and she just destroyed my outfit. Yeah, I love her to bits. But you, you're, you're passionate about this business and uh, you're, you're in the outdoors. How do you see it expanding from where you are now? So our biggest, uh, um, our biggest objective now is to look into continue our research and development because we we don't really get any support on R and D side, uh, so we do a lot of research ourselves. Then my biggest interest is in the further product development uh, and expanding our farm uh, uh, in the future. Yeah, now this campaign that uh, the local enterprise offices are undertaking is all about eating local and supporting uh, local food businesses. Uh, you're a local food business in Kakenny and Carlo. What would you say to people who are listening right now? Let's start eating more escargot. <laughs> the irrepressible Eva Milka there and her dog Bonnie. And I would urge you, uh, if you want a bit of a giggle, we'll be putting out a video of that interview uh, later in the week. And it really was something to behold. Eva Milka in the middle of a field in uh, Gary Hill at the foot of Mount Leinster, continuing a radio interview as this dog which was quite large was jumping all over her and I was continuing as well but that's the joys of radio. We had a bit of a glitch earlier on when I had Colin uh, Ahern, President of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce echoing on the line to me and we lost him but he joins me again. Good morning Colin Good morning John. How are you? It's been quite a week in all seriousness for everyone in business, everyone in Irish society uh, really. Looking back on it, how do you feel about it? Um, Mixed feelings um, you know, it's really sad to see um, what's happened in Dublin, um, whilst it's probably, and quite, not probably, where it's obviously necessary for them to do what they've had to do. Um, it's devastating for some businesses, um, and it will have uh, a trickle-down effect to Kenny, both in terms of, you know, certainly from a hospitality and a tourism point of view, as, you know, a lot of our visitors over the last number of months uh, have been from Dublin and for the next few weeks we're going to be from Dublin but also for other businesses as well retail and, and, and everything else it's going to have an effect on everyone Yeah Colin as well as wearing the chain as president of Chamber of Commerce you're also general manager of uh, the Kilkenny Ormond Hotel um, how's business been since the reopening at the end of July? Gener- generally it's been better than expected John I mean July and August were quite positive for, for the accommodation providers and for the other um, hospitality businesses, bars and restaurants in Kilkenny, anyway, those d- d- those that opened. Um, Irish people flocked to Kilkenny, and really uh, it was great to see. Uh, September has been a little bit better than expected, uh, but uh, we see, you know, a, a real dip on the horizon uh, after, after Halloween at the end of October, uh, and it's going to be a very, very tough uh, four or five months until, until Easter 2021. Uh, a feeling that the country's kind of turned a bit of a corner with the publication of the Living With Covid document. Up to the, up to um, then, we'd really been operating with the roadmap that they released, I think it was in May, where we were looking just up to the end of August. We're really looking ahead to see the next six to nine months. This is, is how it's going to be, really. Uh, and that has implications for people who are involved in organising weddings, events and so on. Quite stark figures, really. Yeah, look, absolutely. I mean, I mean, considering Dublin's at level three and the rest of the country's at level two, and and Kilkenny's cases would be relatively small in in in, in comparison, somewhere in the region of two two a day. It's hard to see, you know, what where we need to be to get to level one. So at the moment, and for the foreseeable future, anyone wanting to organise a wedding 
uh, in Kilkenny uh, is allowed a maximum of 50 people. Now, John, just to clarify, that also includes the staff on the band um, if they want to have a band. So realistically, you're looking at approximately 40 people. If we get to level one, that can, that, that can increase to 100. But, you know, like it, it, it's not just weddings. All, all the other events that have been affected, christenings, confirmations, communions, uh, people um, pe- people getting together to sell it to to, um, to 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 meet for a funeral. The maximum amount, amount of people that can gather is six people, and that's had a devastating effect on restaurants, uh, bars, and hotels because that's our bread and butter business day to day. Yeah, and um, yeah, uh, the the hospitality industry in Dublin really feeling the pain and and asking for increased government support, but government support increasingly is going to be more important because the existing government support is largely beginning to taper on the assumption when it was introduced that we would have turned a positive corner by the autumn. Yeah, very true. Um, we would have. It's hard to be negative about a July stimulus plan that had uh, $7.5 billion. There is a need. Uh, in, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. We, they, they probably assumed things would be better, and they're not. And there's certainly a need to, in terms of the the grants that are available, the EWSS is now in place, and it's not enough. Uh, it's not enough to keep hospitality businesses open for the next and people employed for the next six months in Kilkenny, John. Just and just talking about the hospitality industry. I mean, we're we're looking at thousands of jobs being lost over the next four months. There's about seven thousand people employed in hospitality in Kilkenny. Um, and and it, it, it will be a big number. Yeah. OK, you're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on Casey Lords, just after 9.21. I'm talking to Colin Ahern, who's president of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to continue our chat about business over the last week and looking ahead into the future. Don't go away. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie At the heart of it all. You're listening to Casey Lord John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock when Edward Hayden comes up live from Kilkenny City Centre and Goods Department Store on High Street. With me on the line is Colin Ahern, who's President of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. We've been talking about the last week and the developments um, and so on. We focused, uh, Colin, really on uh, the hospitality industry, but um, big changes possibly on the horizon for a range of business. Quite um, sobering to see some headlines about Ulster Bank during the week. Yeah, look, I mean, like, 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 it does bring it into perspective, and it makes it makes you realise that 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 every industry is affected. And I suppose I'm lucky that because I'm I, I'm so involved in the Chamber of Commerce, I get I get to see a broad range of industries and businesses and see how they how how, how they're doing. And and whilst for some industries like um, finance and and hospitality and travel, uh, things are quite stark. Uh, for other businesses. Um, things have been very positive, um, you know. Like, like, you know, we 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 have a number of different industries, as everyone would know, uh, in Kilkenny, and there, 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 a lot of them are hiring at the moment and getting busier and getting bigger. I mean, just to give a couple of examples, we have a company called CyberTech, which is in the cyber security, and they're 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 hiring and growing at the moment. Uh, I was on a meeting, um, a Zoom call with a company called CR Payroll, 
um, a couple of weeks ago, and they're they're employing another ten or twelve people in the coming weeks. Our farmer and farmer and agri food businesses are are doing really well. There's a company around the corner from us here called Mind Clients that have a that have a CRM that that, that helps companies manage all their clients, and and things are going really well for them. And even retail, there there are some sides of our retail uh, sector that are really struggling, but. You know, for a, to, to give a couple of examples, Lorimer, a jeweller in Kakenny, started a, a home try try uh, try the ring on service that has worked really well. I I haven't shopped in Belfem myself, but I believe that they are appointment only and outdoor. And Barbara and the butter the butter slip there on on Rosin Street told me she had her busiest August ever. <clears throat> um, and shoe shops, green shoes. Um, uh, what's going really well? Our our children's uh, ch- children's sizing is, is working really re- really well for them. So you know there are some quite positive news stories. And that, as someone working in the hospitality sector, that re- that that gives me a little bit of solace because if and when people are allowed to travel again and move around our country freely and come into our country. I think our industry will bounce back really quickly. Yeah, and it's important to be positive. And I know myself from working in the media that you get a story like the government uh, roadmap, which is largely, you know, downbeat. And it it wouldn't, you know, fill you with the joys of spring to see all the restrictions over the next six to nine months. But it it is important to keep emphasising the positivity. Absolutely, John. I mean, we have so much happening in Kilkenny and we have so many facilities. And with the restrictions we have in place, What's really important now is is is, is the out, uh, outdoor facilities and what people can, can 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 do outdoors because more people can gather and get together and it's safer. And you know, I, I was listening to a radio interview uh, the other day with Kathy Purcell from the Castle Comber Discovery Park, and she said that they had an amazing summer. And whilst they are closing during the week now for the rest of the year, their opening weekend and their season is is actually elongated. And whilst I'm talking about that, I could just um, give a small plug to a new website that's come out. Um, a number of outdoor activity attractions have got together, and they've launched OutdoorKilkenny.ie. And it is amazing how much people can do on our doorstep, outdoors, safely. There is so much to do. So it's really, really worth checking that out, OutdoorKilkenny.ie. Um, it, it's, it's shocking that I didn't know how much how much there was to do, so I'm sure I'm not the only one. Colin, we have to leave it there, but it's great to see so much positivity and hear so much positivity, so best of luck to you and everyone involved in Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. Thank you. Okay, that was uh, Colin Ahern uh, joining us there, President of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. Uh, so earlier on, we heard from Eva Milka, who was talking to us about Gaelic escargot, still on the theme of local food producers and all as part of the Taste Local campaign, which Casey Law are running in association with Carlo and Kilkenny local authorities through the local enterprise offices. Um, I, After I visited Eva, I took a trip out to the farm of Rod and Julie Calderpots in Cuffs Grange in Kilkenny and if you've never been there it's well worth a visit because in some converted farm buildings they have a beautiful shop where they sell all sorts of products produced on their farm and where, in, where during non-COVID times they host meetings and gatherings of producers and people with an interest in food. So I sat down with Ju- Julie Calderpots and I asked her to tell us about what's going on on the farm at the moment. 
Exciting time of year. Uh, we started the apple harvest. Our first apples are Katie last week, which are eating apples, and also our driver cider apples. And as you probably saw on your way in here, you were, there were lots of obstacles on the avenue. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> uh, we have a combi crop, uh, which is peas and barley, which, uh, which is harvested. And then you've got grass growing underneath in the middle of harvesting that in between the raindrops. Not too bad this week, though. Yeah, now it's been, 2020 has been a challenging year. We've had COVID, we've had difficult weather, but there's lots to be positive about. And, and you have a lot of exciting projects in the pipeline and coming to fruition. Your uh, apple wine, for example, will shortly be uh, available. Oh, yeah. I say 2020 is peaks and uh, mountaintops and troughs. And we're all like that, aren't we? Going up and down. Uh, apple wine. We have a gorgeous cask apple wine, uh, which we've been waiting to bottle. And we're bottling it in October, uh, launching it, hopefully in Kilkenny, local, uh, for Christmas market. And it's delicious. Mm. And it's in a, there's a limited amount of it, obviously, but it's something new for us here, which should be nice. One ingredient, of course. Are yeah, apples, apples are at the, at the core of all your business here. Just give us a range of the type of uh, products that you get out of the humble apple. The humble apple, isn't it wonderful? You know, I, I mean, the best way of taking apple is to eat a gorgeous apple. I mean, it's lovely. Uh, but I mean, what uh, we've got a lovely syrup, which is uh, multi-award winning. We do treacle treacle bread uh, a lot of people have gone back to bakering john which is great you know and they're using the treacle and treacle bread you might know you do know i'm sure ryland house they do a gorgeous treacle bread with nuts and apricots and things like that um and uh, we do cider vinegars which is a very very much well-being and our balsamic vinegars um and then in our drink section we have a driver cider non-alcoholic which you're drinking i'm glad to say now in the middle of the day <laughs> In the middle of the day, and uh, your uh, and apple juice, obviously. What's interesting about our apple juice? Our uh, part of our orchards were adopted by a Shumai Buddhist group there uh, a few years ago, and part of our apple juice gets exported to the temples of Japan. But an interesting one is that that apple juice, uh, they don't allow ascorbic acid even into the process. And we put ascorbic acid into apple juice. Most apple juice would have that uh, for uh, colour, to hold the colour because it fades through time. Uh, but theirs doesn't, and you'll see it on the shelf behind me here. Uh, it's still red and it's still perfect. So why? I don't know. <laughs> it's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> and you've you've begun publishing as well. I see a beautiful volume on the table in front of me. High Bank Orchards, Volume One, um, full of recipes, stories, and so on. Tell us about that. Ruth, my daughter, is on board on the marketing. Thank goodness she's very much into the social media side and lifting our websites, which is so important now with COVID. And that was Volume One of uh, recipes and our histories on it yes it was so further planned down the road no oh doubt. absolutely yeah it's great yeah. yeah now about covid um your shop here in high bank is beautiful but during the lockdown um visitors were restricted uh but you responded to that by while uh bringing the mountain to muhammad uh, muhammad to the mountain so to speak rod your husband uh 
turned his uh, morning walk into a, a public kind of ramble. <laughs> Tell us about that. I think, uh, again, Ruth used walks with them about most mornings and they would do a few uh, miles and basically they started to do a clip of what was happening seasonally uh, on the farm. And to our surprise, uh, we got a huge audience. A lot of people who were locked down, who couldn't get out, were delighted to see apple blossom coming, that the world was still moving. And uh, he went into some of our farming methods. We looked at some of the insect life, bird life, uh, how we were planting our crops, harvesting. He's still doing it. And it's intermittent on our Instagram site. But it was, it was great because it just gave... A, it was nothing to do with promoting product. It was more that, gosh, we're all still here. We must keep positive. Absolutely. Mm. I get the sense that all of this is more than just simply producing products, as you say. It's more of a lifestyle. And, and therefore, your apples and, and the products you make and your way of life permeate everything about High Bank, really. You're absolutely right, John, of course. You need the passion to be an artisan food producer. You'll probably find that across the board, you know. And the, um, yes, it's a, it's a nice life. Uh, it's great to invent, although they ban me from inventing new products at the moment. Said <laughs> too many. But no, I think... Um, it is, and we were we're very lucky to live on a farm. Mm. You know, I think. But as well as as your own family life here on the farm, your passionate uh, food producer group member and advocate, and the whole idea of community is that heightened importance in these difficult times. In your view, two things. One is we have to develop and evolve into producing our products all online as small food producers and with that came Leo's support which was fantastic to get our websites all up and running and still exist and also as a group you work together and Kilkenny Food Producer Group is very strong and uh, they are still going to give, there's, there's an award they give every year because uh, uh, to the people who support them it's called the Local Heroes Buyers Awards developed by Robert Moss from probably you know, Moss Mills and it's basically to um, th say thank you to the people who support. Now this is going to become more and more important to support our chefs, our restaurants, our cafes, but our products um, and local. And I think this, we all know this, you know, and it's going to be survival for a lot of people. So. And technology as well. So necessity yes. is the mother of invention. And, and you've, mm. you, you've developed your, your website further as well. And click and collect is going to be a, a feature of the future. Very much so. I mean, our click and collect um, is the click and collect here. We obviously deliver our delivery services and uh, packaging, repackaging your products to suit. Um, but um, the um, the click and collect, we're hoping to do different um, different places around the country that people can actually click and collect if they're mobile to do that. You know, obviously we have we have that one here. You spoke about the peaks and troughs of, of 2020. <laughs> How are you feeling about the, the future as we face into winter? I think we're all going to have to climb mountains. <laughs> it's going to be a tough one, isn't it? And again, it's going to be one that we have to keep chatting to people some way, somehow, and in groups or whatever, because it's... and. Um, uh, the troughs are going to key the economy and obviously the, the health. Um, we're very much in the well-being and we see our lovely um, small smaller shops doing very well and online things, but our hotels, cafes will all need our support. I do feel that's going to be... 
That's Julie Calderpots there from High Bank Orchard and Organic Farm uh, talking to us as part of our Taste Local series. Coming up after the break, I'll be talking to Carol Faulkner of TSSG, a technology innovation centre operated by WIT with an office in Kilkenny City. At the heart of it all. At the heart of it all. KCLR. You're very welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. TSSG, the Technology Gateway team, are offering tech solutions to business and industry in a very different post-lockdown world. I'm joined on the line by Carol Faulkner, who's the Business Development Executive with TSSG. Good morning, Carol. Tell us about what your organisation is doing with business in this uh, lockdown era. Morning, John. Um, yeah, so we're working with a lot of uh, SMEs in Ireland to help them innovate during this time. Um, there's a lot of sort of negative media out there about COVID-19. So we developed a report which can be downloaded on our website. Um, and that is um, just filled with case studies on what multinationals and what SMEs are actually doing to utilize the technology that already exists in today's world. So as we know, the technology is always far ahead of the market. So this technology has been around for a while, things like artificial intelligence and blockchain and wearables, but now we're actually seeing that being catapulted into the real world, into real use case applications. Yeah, and we heard some examples of that in the previous item. Can you give us some more examples of how that's been done that maybe could serve as inspiration to people listening this morning? Sure. Um, well, one of the examples in the in the report online is uh, showing how McDonald's have used artificial intelligence. Um, so when their fast food retail or when their fast food outlets closed down, they needed to speed up the um, um, the drive through part of their business, which already accounted for half of their global sales. So what they did was they implemented um, artificial intelligence menu boards, which would show the main and most popular meal deals for a particular time of day or day of the week. And as a result, they were able to speed up the traffic per hour going through the drive-through. And in doing so, they actually acquired a a startup which implemented this technology. So I think that's very significant. And Ireland has a lot of startups. Enterprise Ireland are providing a lot of funding for startups and these types of technologies. And we work with those companies to help them on their funding path and on their tech path in order to help them export yeah, now, the whole agriculture, food and nutrition sector is very important in this area and indeed in Ireland locally, as well as all the challenges. Um, I think you're highlighting some positives uh, that the pandemic has brought in relation to the whole food industry, agriculture and so on. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, the industry report, um, the research around that's in the industry report suggests that the pandemic has led to an increase in awareness and wealth and well-being, um, uh, health and well-being, as well as um, for buying local. So that trend is set to remain. So we're seeing a lot of uh, local companies developing apps for their delivery service, um, and people are really using this uh, type this service. Um, as you know, things have gone online in a big way, especially around retail and with food ordering online as well. So we're seeing that, and we're also going to be seeing. Um, more blockchain in the um, in, in food um, as well. So, what we will see in the future is um, a QR code or some kind of code on the packaging, where we will be able to trace 
the source of the food, you know, how long it was held up. It was held up by um, a closed border somewhere within the EU. We'd be able to track and trace our food sources um, and look at the nutrition and see if it's really organic um, and all that kind of thing. And also with the, because because of this trend, we're actually looking more at the ethics around food or, 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 or garments and where our clothing is coming from. The blockchain is going to be used more and more so in that area because we're all looking towards the trust and transparency of where everything is being sourced. Yeah, and Carol, your job, as I understand it, is to kind of match the technology and the research with industry. Is it this a good time for you and your job? Is there a big appetite out there for technical and technology solutions among businesses? There really is a big appetite. Uh, and most importantly, there's so much funding available for companies that want to break into these areas. So Enterprise Ireland would give companies funding to work with us in the technology gateway in order to help them on that path. Yeah, and do they need to be manufacturing companies uh, or exporting companies to avail of such uh, assistance? Um, well, there's different streams of funding. So there are some streams of funding which would be larger from Enterprise Ireland. And one of the criteria there is that it would have to be an exportable business. Um, so as I mentioned previously, Ireland is a really good incubator for startups. Um, and the government really, really wants to encourage that. And what they do is they, they encourage them to work with the, the technology gateways all around Ireland. Um, and in the southeast, we have three technology gateways. One is the GSSG where we are, that's software. And then we have a manufacturing one as well. And then there's pharma. Yeah, um, of course, as well as COVID, we're also looking down the barrel of Brexit and manufacturing and supply chain and all that is a very important thing that could be disrupted by Brexit. What's the story there with technology and is there much change and development on the horizon? There will be. There's definitely scope to work with blockchain and these types of technologies once we know the boundaries, once we know what we're dealing with those touch points um, that we have to measure. Um, until those are clear, it's, it's kind of really difficult. But the, it's, it takes the industry partner to understand their industry. They come to us, we provide the tech. Um, and it's that union which really creates the, the, the chemistry. So if this chat has sparked an interest among somebody going, yeah, I'd like a tech solution for that problem, what should that person do? They can reach out to us at the Technology Gateway in TSSG and just go to tssg.org and send an email and myself or one of the team will be in touch with you. That's Carol Faulkner, their business development executive with TSSG, talking about using technology to adapt to the changing business environment. And following on the same theme, I've got Jerry Dunn, who's Director of Education with uh, Carlo Tutorial College, joining me on the line. Uh, Jerry, before we talk about how you've changed and adapted your business, tell us about your business before COVID came along. Good morning, John, and thanks for having me on, first and foremost. Uh, yeah, we've been nine years in existence, John, since 2011, and we have an on, uh, an on-site facility in Burns Street in Carlow where we provide supervised study for students and, and grinds as well, too. So we would have anything up to 250 students a year through our study hall and about 100 students um, uh, taking grinds with us. Yeah, now I, rem- I, re- I remember from my time as a, as a student a long time ago, I was full of good intentions, but I couldn't really do much study unless I had a bit of supervision. So it's a really, you know, um, uh, you know, important part of the education system. 
Absolutely, and you know what they say about good intentions, that the road to hell is paved with it. Yeah. So really and truly, you need to put your, your good intentions into action, and what we have managed to do uh, over the course of nine years is to provide the atmosphere and the environment where students can do that, and they can work to the limits of their ability. Uh, it's, it's really, it never was of any consequence to us that we, produ- you know, students would get six H1s or seven H1s, is that every student works to the limit of their ability, and that's the kind of environment that we focused on and concentrated on down through the nine years. And as a consequence, we had students of every ability coming to us, and we made the um, the environment friendly enough for them to be able to do that and to feel confident enough, both parents and students, that they could come into it and, and uh, avail of that kind of environment. Yeah, and if memory serves me correctly, uh, Leo Varadkar, then Taoiseach, walked down the steps of the Irish Embassy in Washington round and about Patrick's Day in March of this year and said all schools are closing uh, from 6pm this evening. Um, and presumably that was a complete uh, upheaval of your business. I was actually watching him on TV that morning because it had been signalled as an important address and um, I, by 2 o'clock I was shut down uh, that particular day. I think it was the 12th of March. Uh, yeah, it was uh, an extraordinary... It's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. I'm still receiving counselling for John, to be honest with you. But however, we had to get on with it and we had to do something about it um, because we were in a situation uh, that unprecedented all the kind of the usual cliches that you use to describe something of that nature. Uh, so what we did was we focused on what we could do. So the very first thing we did uh, was I contacted all of my teachers and all of my teachers agreed to continue doing their grinds with their students free of charge. Okay. And uh, from then till the end of May, the teachers continued doing that. Now, at the time, we didn't have the, um, the e-commerce website set up. So what we did was we did it via email. We emailed worksheets, they were sent back to us completed, and we kept in contact with parents. And my my teachers are absolutely brilliant, couldn't say enough good things about them, and they continued doing that right up to the end of May, uh, right up to the the time when the Leaving Cert would traditionally have been about to start. Okay, Jerry. well look, um, we'll leave it there for a second. Um, I'm talking to Jerry Dunn, who's Director of Education with Carlow Tutorial College. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on Casey Lord. Jerry is describing the shock of the close down of education back in March. Uh, we'll continue uh, talking to him after this break. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. You and I'm joined on the line by Jerry Dunn, Director of Education. Uh, I was talking, uh, Jerry, there before the break about, you know, your, your teachers kept going, providing the grinds to your students up until the end of May when normally the leaving cert would have kicked in. But we there was a hope that we'd be back to some sort of normality. We were on a very positive trajectory around then. But unfortunately, as we know, we've got six to nine months of restricted, uh, restricted movement. And effectively, while well, you had 250 uh, students uh, that were all gathered together that's not an option so you've adapted tell us more about how you have adapted and what it's like for uh, Carlow Tutorial College going into the future Well we learned the lessons from what we did with the students um, from uh, March to May and while we were planning and are still planning for a reopening of the facility in in, uh, in Burren Street 
we also decided that we would develop an e-commerce website in which we would offer online grinds with our teachers to our two students and also have an online study hall. Um, so we're using uh, Google Classrooms, Google Meets as the medium through which we can do that. Uh, and the one-to-one grinds take place online uh, with the teachers as they would have in a classroom uh, prior to this. And the online study is simply online, but it would ha- it's a virtual study hall. Uh, and it's set for three hours every day um, with monitoring of students, uh, which I do myself. So um, we, we needed to adapt. We needed to change. And, uh, and uh, we, we had to innovate, to be perfectly honest with you. And this was part of what we did. While still planning, John, to, re- to reopen uh, the facility in Burn Street. But our primary concern, really, uh, and it's been a, a feature of what we've done since 2011, was to provide a safe environment for students to come in and for reassurance for parents that when the students were in with this, they, were, they are in a safe environment. So leading on from that, we decided that we would go ahead with providing uh, um, an extra, uh, if you like, uh, arm to that with a safe um, um, environment in terms of online grinds and online study hall uh, from the safety of home so that students uh, don't have to, and parents don't have to bring them in. Uh, you know, and, and we're witnessing, unfortunately now, yet another spike in, 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 uh, in cases and in infections. And this looks like it's going to be the so-called new new norm until a vaccine kicks in here. So what we're doing is we're providing an environment to create motivation for students, so that those because one of the things that most um, affected students during the the lockdown was the lack of motivation to study and to work. So what we're doing is we're providing an environment for students will get direction in study and will also have the motivation to go and study as though they were in a study hall doing the study with us in Barn Street. Yeah, framework so, very important and discipline very important and presumably that's what you're providing. And you have some rules, like you're not going to accept people just propping their phone up on their bed and just kind of lying no, back. No, we, we have a procedure and we have protocols and there are appropriate places for the studies to take place and there are appropriate uh, mediums through which they'll take place. So a PC or a laptop, a desk PC or a laptop, a mobile phone or a tablet would not be suitable. A bedroom would not is not a suitable environment for study. So we'll insist on either a home office area or say a dining room area that can be closed off from the rest of the house and which quiet will prevail for the three hours the student is in study or whatever length they're in study. So there's a whole protocol how we have drawn up around this. Uh, and, for, and it's not dissimilar for what we, from what we have down in Burren Street when students come in, we provide quiet supervised study. That has been our, our tagline all along. And when parents came in to the study hall uh, or into the reception area in the college, the first thing they would say is, so quiet in here. Mm. Uh, and they'd ask how many students are in. And every day, virtually, we would have anywhere between 95 and 130 students in study. And presumably so, now, Jerry, um, you can actually offer that supervision to people who are not uh, accessible to Burren Street. You know, you, you could be in New York, really, with the technology. Uh, how do people get involved if they want to sign up to your programme? Well, we have uh, a very, very good company called Yum Creative in Bagnastown, Colin Tierney and John Foy, who have created our e-commerce website. And the, all sign-up is through the e-commerce website or contact carlotutorial at gmail.com. That's our email. Um, and uh, that's a direct contact to me. Uh, the, the website has all contact details in terms of email and phone numbers, mobile phone number, etc. and so forth. And um, so uh, it, it has an online pay facility. It has all the kind of stuff that you would expect of a, of a proper e-commerce website. 
So it makes it very, very easy for people to actually uh, get online, get uh, into the website, see what's on offer and contact us and book. You can book the grinds online, you can book them over the phone, book them by email, whatever. Okay, uh, Jerry. We operate, yeah, we operate on a, on a, on a one-grind at a time basis, um, um, John, we, you know, you don't pay for a, a batch of grinds ten in advance. You pay by the by the so you have control over the number of grinds you you want to uh, you want to take. Okay, Jerry. Well, thank you very much, and best of luck to you and everybody involved in Carlow Tutorial College. That's Jerry Dunn, uh, director of education with Carlow Tutorial College, bringing the bottom line this morning uh, to a close. That's all we've got time for. And don't forget, if you have any comments or ideas, you can email us at the bottom line at kclaw96fm.com. Thanks to all our guests this morning: Colin Hearn, Eva Milka, Julie Calderpotts, Carl Faulkner, and Jerry Dunn. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produced. We'll be back next Saturday. Just after nine. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie